this company Lido, the startup Lido, they are a Ethereum proof of stake management company. So for Ethereum, if you want to participate in proof of stake and do a validator, you need 32 Ethereum tokens, which at, but call it um, three grand a token. I don't know what the, the prevailing price is at the moment, but you know, 96 grand that you need to have in order to participate in Ethereum proof of stake. It's a ton of money. It's not easy for the, the average person to do. So what Lido does is allows you to come in and fractionalize up parts of that validator. So if you only have one Ethereum token or, or two or even less, you can participate and earn yield on your tokens in the proof of stake network. And what is interesting about Lido is that they have roughly 86% of that market share for that fractionalized Ethereum staking so most users don't participate in the staking because it locks up your tokens and you cannot quickly withdraw them to sell them if you wish. Furthermore, you're unable to participate in DeFi, which offers at the moment a more liquid opportunity for you to, to move quickly, but yields that are higher than what's offered by the Ethereum proof of stake network. So what's the key theme here is Lido leading the market share here at 86%. That's a tremendous amount of this Ethereum that people are delegating to them to then go earn yield on your behalf. And you've essentially you've centralized all of that Ethereum into the hands of very few people. The Lido DAO only has 90 members and Really why this came up in the news is that they just raised a $70 million round from Andreessen Horowitz. So you have kind of the, the, these multiple dynamics in place to show how a small group of people, including the venture capitalists, are looking to own the landscape of the Ethereum proof of stake network. And I think this is a really key criticism for a proof of stake in general especially Ethereum, which already faces a lot of flack for not being decentralized enough. But I, I do think this gets at a broader criticism and a valid criticism of what proof of stake can evolve into where the rich get richer and smaller guys get pushed out of the ability to participate. And we are seeing that a bit in the, the Cosmos ecosystem where the smaller validators get kicked off the active list by the big money who come in and, and flood the, the bigger guys. So I wanted to flag this. It's, I think, related to what you're going to talk about with the ENS DAO, but did you have a chance to, to kind of read this over? And I, I wanted to just pick your brain on this. Yeah, so, and again, this is like, we'll get into it a bit later on, but this is going to be, you know, a common issue with everyone that is trying to set up these DAOs that don't have an immediate equal distribution across the space, because like you said, Ethereum has, you know, some issues with transaction fees and gas costs and yada, yada, yada. But the beginning sense of the article says that they're looking to switch to proof of stake by this summer, the new validation system. So they got to try to get everybody into that staking mentality when only 8% of eligible tokens in Ethereum are staked to date. So 
I think it's more just a disconnect between where they're going and what the community wants them to do. Like there's no, as far as I know, there's no like Ethereum DAO, like the founders and developers and everyone push out proposals that like people can vote on, but I'm not really sure the governance model there, but like for me, like I'm in LP pools that have, you know, 21, 14, seven day or yeah. And then one day on staking period. So like, I'm used to the waiting for 21 days. Like if you don't have liquidity when shit goes down, that's kind of on you in this landscape and you kind of learn as you go, you know, where to hold your money so you can get out in time in case there is a crash. But I mean, if you're holding for the long run, I don't see the major issue. And I mean, Ethereum has been around almost, you know, second to longest. So I don't see the issue here. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I'm not fully up to speed on how governance works uh, or what what this current state of Ethereum governance looks like. But I mean, they they were um, one of the first. I think they were the first DAO. I mean, the, the term DAO comes from the the creation of Ethereum, and um, gotcha. that's been in that's been in the news a little bit with Laura Shin's new book and the whole Ethereum versus Ethereum classic, that whole, that's a whole another conversation that was <laughs> all related right to DAO, to DAO governance and flaws in the original DAO contract with Ethereum. But, um, uh, so, I mean, they were kind of, that that's related to the initiation of DAOs back in like 2016 or 2014, I guess. But the current state of Ethereum governance, I'm not up to speed on it because I don't pay attention to it. But, well, yeah. um, with this, it's like you said, 8% of tokens have been moved over into the staking mechanism, which I don't know if this, ever, this has never been done with Ethereum transitioning to from proof of work to proof of stake at such a high market cap. And so they are literally like changing the engine of the plane while it's already flying. Right. And it's going to be really hard for them to do. I, I give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. I think they'll They'll be able to figure out a way to do it. But the criticism here is, okay, 86% of what has been transitioned is in control of this one company, Lido. And now mm-hmm. you have VCs coming in. Well, one VC, Andreessen, backing $70 million into this. Like they're planting their flag on the future of Ethereum here, where it's not looking like a decentralized future to me, unless something crazy happens. I mean, this, this trajectory is really putting Ethereum on a path to even more centralization. And it's a huge criticism of Ethereum, but I think it does highlight the problems of proof of stake. And so the question is, how do you initiate, how do you incentivize and keep that incentivized structure in place to encourage truly decentralized models? Um, right. I mean, we see it with osmosis. Uh, over the past year, the way small validators have just gotten kicked off the list of of active validation. So you go from a system for Ethereum's sake, right? You have hundreds of miners out there, p- people running nodes all over the world, and now it's going to be controlled by potentially one company, Lido. I mean, this yeah. is where this is the the concern, but if only 8% of tokens are staked, that, that leaves a lot to yet to happen. But this is a bet. I view this as Andreessen Horowitz placing a bet to try to have its, you know, monopolization on Ethereum. 
So it yeah, and kind of if that will work. Yeah, kind of like a similar. You know, they're getting big money in, and they're obviously switching the validation to proof of stake. So, like, if they're trying to corner, you know, the Ethereum validating sets for like, you know, whatever, whether it's passive income or you know, active profit, whatever you want to call it, that's one of my biggest issues with uh, like Cosmos staking is some of those validators have 0% fees and just do giveaways to try and get up to like the top 10 or 20 of the validating sets. And they don't provide anything to the ecosystem that they're, you know, kind of pouring out. Um, And that really bothers (laughs) me. So I don't, I don't know how to get around that, but. To your point there. um, I mean, we, we, Oscar and I talked to a, a validator provider last week and he was commenting on it that a lot of those people who do that, they can, with just a little bit of marketing and and Twitter personality, you can get high up on the validator list. But if you have no idea what you're doing, you're facing huge penalties if you are unable to provide uptime during stressful periods of the network. And so for all those people who delegate to those validators, you might face long periods of not not receiving your, your proof of stake rewards if that if the custodian is bad at what they're supposed to do. Right. Um, we've been talking about this for a while. I want to get a chance to touch on the DAO over at the ENS land yeah, because it's definitely. very related to this. Oh, yeah, 100%. So the former ENS director of ops may remain at the foundation after voting against his own removal. So a quick little refresher on ENS. ENS is an open, public, decentralized identity protocol that runs on the Ethereum blockchain. Users can register .eth names native to ENS or import in DNS domain names that they already own, which they can then use as their cross-platform Web3 username and profile, one name for all their crypto addresses and a centralized website. So ENS is the government governance token of the ENS DAO, which manages the treasury and kind of other key parameters of the ENS protocol. So they put up to a vote. Uh, this last week, I think it might still be ongoing, um, whether or not to kick out the director of ops. And of the roughly 2.4 million votes, 42% voted against removing Milligan, who's the director, and then 29% either abstained or voted in favor of removing Milligan. So what's interesting here is Milligan used more than 363,000 tokens to vote against his own removal while another core founder and developer abstained with 250,000 tokens. And if the majority of the DAO users end up voting in favor of Milligan's removal, a community proposal electing a new director would go into effect immediately. Um, This all kind of got stirred up because some users uncovered anti-LBGTQIA tweets from back in 2016. And he says he still stands by those comments because they're in accordance with his Catholic beliefs. And he's kind of playing it, not like victim, but he mentioned that he has never excluded anyone from ENS based on their identity or beliefs and says it's not practical for Web3 to exclude traditional minded religious folk like him. So, I mean, it, it, that is what it is. But what gets me is the addresses with the top 10 allocations voted for the following. 507,004. 760,000 against, 628,000 abstained. So of the roughly 2.4 million votes so far, roughly 80% of them are locked by the top 10 wallets. Um, 
So, I mean, obviously I'm a big fan of DAOs. We talk about them a lot and, you know, we're thinking about maybe trying to get a crypto chem DAO up here and running once we learn a little bit more about them. But I believe that the more major corporations and the boards of these companies that we have become accustomed to in today's day and age are just taking extreme advantage of us as consumers have been hoarding profits, not paying taxes, polluting the environment and so on and so forth. But kind of like I said earlier in uh, your Lido article, like without a clean start and equal distribution and like your heart is in the right place from the beginning as founders, this problem is going to persist no matter where you start up a business or a DAO or anything like that. Like I'm sure Milligan and Johnson earned their distribution through their efforts founding and working on ENS. This is exactly one of the problems DAOs were supposed to fix with equal voting shares and so on. So I don't really know what the answer is here because you obviously want to reward the founders and the creators and the developers and everybody working on the project. but you know, maybe you do that by, you know, putting a percentage and paying them off of the rip to make sure that every user has an equal distribution and an equal vote share. What do you think, Dylan? Yeah, I mean, right away, the, the second paragraph of this article, it hits, it hits the main point here. Only 42% of the vote is from the actual users. What that suggests is that... Fifty-eight <laughs> percent of the vote is is from insiders, and so you're going to try to have the the governance of of who's running the the DAO being voted on by all the insiders. Like that doesn't make that doesn't make a lot of sense to me because if this is supposed to be some kind of democratization democratization of governance, well, the vast I guess that the slight majority, fifty-eight percent, is more than 50% is, is actually being still decided by the people who run the thing. Now, there's a little bit of cancel culture going on here. I don't really feel like that's, I mean, I, we all have our opinions there, but the real, I think that's, that's, that's not the point really right now. The, the point is the insiders are controlling the DAO. This is not a decentralized DAO and you have to evaluate whether or not this is a protocol that you want to be developing on top of. When they talk about this decentralized thesis, is it really true? Is it, is it not really true? Is that important to you as a developer? Those are questions that have to be asked individually. I think we can point to like Handshake as a more decentralized alternative but the downside with that is if you go onto the Handshake auction portal and you look at some of the domains that are being sold, they're pretty, there's a lot of <laughs> offensive ones, okay? I think they're objectively offensive. Um, I'm not even going to say them out, out loud because yeah, they can, they it's can bad. But um, so it's... It's kind of like you have pitfalls, you have a trade-off, right? Um, the If you go pure decentralized 100%, there's no, there's no authority to come in to moderate the content. But if you are, are lower on the decentralized scale, then you have things like this where the insiders can just continue to vote themselves in, if you will. So 
whether or not this person is capable of of being the director of ops, I think, I mean, I'm of the opinion that that's what should be the core evaluated metric, not some comments that he maybe made uh, once upon a time. Um, right. Depending on how object, you know, how how bad they were, but I mean. I mean, he's just a cat. He's a Catholic dude. Yeah. So I mean, you you know, you know, you know, you know, you know how. Well, yeah, but they say something. It's not like he was. I don't know. Like, (laughs) the the, seems to be a little bit of the the cancel culture coming in here. I don't think that his comments were really worth kicking him out for uh, for this. But Uh, no, that's not really the point, right? I mean, the point here is, hey, if if you are trying to vote somebody off the board and you're a DAO, is it even possible mechanically? It doesn't seem like it's mechanically possible in this ENS DAO. And so if you yeah. look at Handshake, I mean, they, they've structured their naming service. Their point from the start was to have the protocol evolve into something where there was no trace of a centralized entity from the beginning. They decided not to have a foundation. They decided not to have a huge pool of tokens that would go back to insiders. And so there are people out there trying to build the truly decentralized version. And then there's ENS, you know? Yeah, definitely. One little thing I thought of when you were talking about how, uh, you know, some of the domain names selling on HNS aren't the greatest. A little quote for that is innovation isn't pretty. Uh, when you first start trying to break down barriers and kind of expand into a new realm of, you know, either business or technology, there's always going to be jackasses that are using it for something that you didn't even think of, didn't even cross your mind. And at that point, it's kind of up to you whether, you know, you're truly decentralized and going to let it keep going and just let it stamp itself out because there are more good people in the world than bad, or what are you going to do? So, I mean, I understand, you know, you look on H&S and you're like, oh, what the hell are all these? I don't, this kind of looks weird, but as it grows, they will become more and more valuable and hopefully more and more people will understand the, you know, the need and the uh, actual use case behind it and become more intrigued. But yeah, I mean, innovation isn't pretty. It's not, you know, people aren't going to use it for what you are building it for off the rip. You just kind of got to sit back and keep plugging away and keep building and have faith. Well said. Well said. Well, hey, we've we've been talking for a while. Um, we'll share these links in the the comments and everything. And uh, Miguel, hope you have a great weekend. And we'll be back next week for more Daybreak Crypto episodes.